Hello and welcome to the History of Vikings. In today's episode, I'm joined by fellow Viking podcaster Angus, the host of Norse by Northwest, a Viking history podcast. North by Northwest is a Viking history podcast aimed at sharing all facets of the Viking Age, from beginner level to more academic discussion. A podcast by a history nerd for fellow history nerds. Whether you're a Viking enthusiast, just looking for new perspectives, or someone who just wants to see how much of the Viking TV program is based on fact, North by Northwest is the podcast for you. Angus, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. It's awesome to have a chance to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, likewise. No problem. Before I started the history of Vikings, there's so few Viking podcasts out there and yours was a real inspiration for me to get one started myself. So it's a real treat to be joined by you today. Thank you. And you know, that's something that I've heard from a lot of people who've said, you know, they, they'd never even thought about starting a Viking podcast. And I think just the idea of starting a podcast is kind of intimidating for most people. And obviously, you know, yourself that sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to take that leap and figure it out. Oh yeah. When I started, it was a, a huge learning curve. It's not like I just took some course or something. And for anyone who be listening that has started a podcast, you all know how it goes. It's just, it's a huge learning curve. But once you start it, it can be just a great way to express yourself and connect with friends and so many people. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I'll be honest and it may sound like a strange thing. One of the things that inspired me to think like, I can, I can do this. I can start a podcast. My wife and I both both knit. And my wife is what we call a capital K knitter. You know, she she never goes anywhere without her knitting. And I'm more like, I can knit and once in a while I'll have a project I want to make. Like I want to make myself a hat or whatever and I'll make that. But we both listen to a lot of knitting podcasts because it's just, you know, it's interesting people talking about a fun hobby. And, you know, one of my favorites is one called Craftlet. And it was started by a woman who was an English teacher in high school who was an obsessive knitter and decided she wanted to start a podcast where she took all of those books that you're forced to read in high school that when you're in high school you don't like them and you don't understand them and if you don't have a good teacher you're not engaged and she would go through those books a chapter a week she would explain some of the things to look out for in the chapter and talk about what she was doing as far as her knitting at that point and the things she was making and what inspired her and then she would play a recording of that chapter of the book and at the end she would go okay what did you notice here this particular thing that's part of history you know this is how this impacts the book and it was like one of the most fascinating things in the world to listen to and I think the podcast has been going for about 10 years now it's called Craftlet and she did the exact same thing she sat down before podcasts were even a thing before you know radio stations had their shows as podcasts and she went I'm gonna figure this out she was like recording in the closet in her bedroom surrounded by blankets and I was like okay if, if she can do that you know 10 years ago, if she could make that work, I can figure out how to do this. Yeah. Well, it's it's just remarkable. And, you know, you talk about other media platforms, whether that be YouTube, social media or podcasting and podcasting, I feel like is a platform where, you know, certainly it's unfortunately overcrowded with a bunch of big media, you know, the big uh, news networks and just these massive platforms. But there is still a chance for the little guy to get ahead. You know, people like you and I can still create something and engage with like-minded people. So I, that's what I love about podcasting. Yeah. And you know, when I when I first started the podcast, my entire aim was make information about the Viking Age that is researched and backed up easier for people to find and understand. And I, I maintained if I got just one person who contacted me and said, hey, thanks for this. You know, it's given me a chance to research things I would never have heard of, or it's helped me realize that a lot of the stuff I believed was not true. If I got 
not just one person saying that it would be totally worth it and you know I'm now at the point where I get someone saying that every episode and it never stops being rewarding because when I was first starting this there was so much misinformation out there and you know the internet it's so easy to put up a web page and make it look like you just know everything you're talking about and so I, I maintained from the very first episode every episode I put out I will have show notes that have all of my sources in them or at least some sources for people to start with so that I can prove I'm not just making this stuff up and I want you to go and look at more information. Right. No, it's, that's great because I know somebody like me, I'm always looking for more Viking books and more Viking related things. So that's that's really great that you do that. Well, I was just going to say, I'm in some ways I'm kind of lucky because, you know, I, I know I have a lot of friends who did not get the educational benefits that I got growing up. And so they're, they're not always in a place where they know how to do scholarly research or where they know how to get a hold of a book that, you know, if you want the physical copy, it's going to cost you $500 because it's out of print. But there's ways to find copies of that online that you can look at. And, you know, I grew up dirt poor, you know, we had damn near nothing growing up, but I had a great family who were smart and who cared and made sure that I was involved in school and made sure that I got something out of my education. And I'm now, you know, I am lucky enough that I work in a university. So I have access to all of those academic libraries. I can get any anything I need on inter-university loan. I have access to, you know, every academic research paper that gets published online in special university-only places. And I kind of figured, like, the least I can do is make sure that some of that information is being passed on to people and, and allowing people to learn more when they wouldn't have necessarily had the chance to do that before. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm curious myself is what really got you into this? What's your, what's your story? What's your reason for starting Norse by Northwest? Were you always into Vikings. I know you're from Scotland. Does that have anything to do with it? What really got you into Vikings? Well, you know, I like I said, I grew up in a household where we all read a whole bunch, and my dad was was always really into history. And one of the ways that he would get us interested in history and reading about history was to read the Nigel Tranter books. And Nigel Tranter was a Scottish author who basically wrote historical fiction, and he took it from Saint Columba coming to Scotland all the way up to I think his last book was set in the 1940s. And so like every major historical player in Scottish history, you know, he went through the how and the why and all the background players and wrote these really good books about it that anyone could sit down and read. And so I learned a lot about history just from the fact that those were around the house and we were, you know, as a household reading reading those regularly. Scotland itself is, is a very historical place and you grow up sort of realising that everything around you has this huge history. And so, you know, in, in primary school, which is uh, from age like four or five up to about age 12, um, you know, every year we would get taken to Vikingar, which is a Viking history museum in Largs on the coast of Scotland. Wow. And uh, it was, you know, specially built because one of the final battles that really stopped the, the Nordic countries having any sort of rule in Scotland was the Battle of Largs. But they focused on the fact that the people who first came over and took over these parts of Scotland were the Vikings, not their later descendants that we ended up defeating at the Battle of Larks. You know, we got to go and see a, a replica Viking longhouse and, you know, this is the kind of sheep they were using and that sort of thing. So this was something that was kind of always present in my life and I was always really interested in Vikings as a whole. But I'd sort of always maintained because my family history, it's from an area that was very heavily impacted by Viking. Mm. 
I was part of a very, very early DNA study where they were, you know, looking at where people in Scotland were from originally, that kind of thing. And what came up then, and the, the DNA techniques have completely changed since then, but what came up then was that I was primarily Scottish and Pictish with some Jewish and Eastern European. I was like, okay, you know, that that sounds about right. Some of that's a surprise, but that sounds about right. And I, I was sort of almost proud's not quite the right word, but I was like, yeah, you know, I get to be one of those people that's from that area that had this huge Viking influence. I don't have any Viking DNA, but I was still really interested in, in the history of the Vikings. And then it was, you know, years later, one of my family members, my dad, got his DNA tested and everything's, you know, progressed a great deal from then. And they're like, no, no, yeah, there's Viking DNA in there. And so it was one of those things where I was like, well, I've always been interested in the subject. I was super into it. And now I was one of those people that was like, well, and yeah, I'm genetically part Viking as well. And so that's probably part of it. And I'd always done a lot of historical reenactment, but the main things that I'd done in Scotland were Iron Age Celtic reenactment and Jacobite reenactment. And it wasn't until I moved to the US and sort of had to spread out a bit as far as what reenactment I was doing, because I wasn't super interested in doing, you know, Civil War or Revolutionary War reenactment or Mountain Man stuff. Those weren't Mm things that I was like really focused in on and so I ended up getting more into the Viking side of reenactment and I just found this absolutely huge passion for it because it was something that I'd started out knowing the basic details about and the basic history about and then finding that there's so many more facets that I didn't realise were there you know social political stuff and cultural stuff that I was like okay I really love learning about this and I just sort of went down the rabbit hole from there because I've always been a researcher I always liked to be able to back up what I'm seeing and, and present things correctly, especially since the group that I work with is, is mainly an educational organisation. I sort of felt like I can't go out there in front of school kids and be telling them this is what Vikings were all about if I don't know what I'm talking about. Through doing that, I really started to realise how much misinformation was out there about Viking heritage, Viking culture, Viking history. One of the methods that I know that people get really good information from and that people engage with is to have a podcast. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to start it and, and see how it goes. Yeah, that's that's a- excellent. You've you hit on so many great points there. And my descendants are primarily from Germany as well as Scotland and Ireland. So it's very interesting. So did you grow up in Scotland then? Uh, born and brought up there. My, my whole family's from Scotland pretty much as far back as we can trace. That's fascinating. And like you said, it's, it's really a shame that there's not more Viking reenactment groups in the United States. It's primarily, if you go out East, American Revolution, but uh, primarily a lot of American Civil War. Do you still continue to be engaged in reenacting? Yeah, tell me a little bit about that, because I've always wanted to get into medieval reenactment group, Anglo-Saxon and Viking stuff. So tell me about that. Well, you know, honestly, it it was kind of a weird thing for me because the group that I mainly got involved with is the SCA. The SCA has this uh, sort of strange reputation because it's, for a lot of people, it's kind of a middle ground. You know, it's not LARPing. It's not an anyway LARPing. Not that LARPing is bad. I've got plenty of friends that LARP, but they don't make any pretense that they are doing historical reenactment or educating people. They're just out there having fun and that's fine. And then you get these reenactment groups that like really shun the SCA because in the early days, the SCA, it was started by a bunch of hippies in the 60s. So of course there were people that were showing up at events, you know, wearing elf ears and stuff like that. And so it really got this reputation among, you know, serious reenactors 
Wars as not having any serious elements. Well, it's changed a lot over the years, and I, I will admit it does depend what area you're in. Luckily, I'm in an area where historical accuracy and really solid research are incredibly valued. And it's not like if you show up at your first event and you don't know what you're doing, we're going to laugh you out of there. But people spend a lot of time, you know, helping the beginners and going, okay, we're an educational organization. We are a 401c3 charity organization that is focused on education. So we are going to give you all the resources you need to be as historically accurate as you possibly can and know what you're talking about. And, you know, I really love that and I've had a lot of fun and I've met amazing people from all over the world who just all take a moment of, you know, I'm going to focus on this part of prehistory, medieval history that is interesting to me. I'm going to really study that and share all of that information. And so for me, I got to jump into it at the Viking end and be really, really focused on that and be working with a lot of other people who are also super interested in completely historically accurate Viking representation. But you know, my wife, who's also super involved, she wasn't going for the Viking angle, so she is a 12th century Cornish person. And so I also get the benefit of watching all of the stuff that she's doing and all of the great research that she does for you know what she's interested in. And I get to learn a lot from there because I get to sit down and go, okay, well, I know that in the Viking age, it was getting done like this. Now you're using the equipment that's like this. And I can see how that's progressed over time, depending on things like, you know, what kind of ores were getting mined or, you know, where the main travel routes were at this point and where the influences were coming from. So I found that really interesting. It's really interesting. I was just going to say, and that's one thing I've really admired about the reenactors is mentioned LARPing before. And unlike LARPing, they really take pride in the research that they do. And it's more, it's so much more than just, you know, battling each other. They really, you know, it's about the the lifestyle and the cooking and the, the equipment and everything like that. That's something I've really admired. Well, and that, that's one of the flip sides I found is, you know, I, I have in my time tried to work with and been contacted by various, you know, proper reenactment groups who are, you know, very serious about it. And they're like, well, you know, yeah, you're in the SCA, but it looks like you know what you're talking about. So we're going to reach out and share information. And then I look at the stuff they're doing and either they are solely focused on just the battle parts and nothing else. They're not necessarily researching where their information's coming from and they're making a lot of mistakes as far as, you know, just trusting random websites online and, you know, sharing misinformation. You know, I'll still never forget, um, you know, one of my other nerdy hobbies that I do is Scottish country dancing. Yeah. I was performing at a Highland Games event and there was a group that had, you know, a Viking history booth and, they, you know, they're showing a Viking history. And I walked by as one of their guys who is supposedly incredibly knowledgeable about the Viking Age explained to a group of people that Kenneth McAlpin was actually a Viking. And I really wanted to sit down and be like, we have really solid records of exactly who he was. And yes, some of the stuff from that period in time is a bit fuzzy, but there's literally nothing in the world to indicate that he was actually a Viking. It's because of him that the country of Scotland became the country of Scotland because he was uniting people to fight against the Vikings. And so it just made absolutely no sense that he'd be making this claim. And then, you know, I started looking online for this stuff and found that, yeah, there's there's a bunch of Viking 
existing history websites out there that just make shit like this up because to them it sounds reasonable or they want to believe in it and so I've kind of I've, I've found myself in this middle space of knowing that there are people out there that, that won't necessarily respect what I'm doing because I'm not in the particular group that they're in and there's other Viking reenactment groups out there that are amazing and I you know I do a lot of work with them I contact them I share information with them who are really focused on yeah we want to we want to project the right information out there and we want to know what we're talking about and I just try and you know really make a point of saying like I'm going to share what I can from my standpoint from my research and I'm willing to discuss it with anyone and I'm willing to you know have arguments over whether or not X, Y or Z source is really valid but for me it's all about sharing that information and, and putting it out there and doing that experimentation so like you know on one of my my recent episodes I talked about a Viking beer that I'd brewed and I decided if I wanted to know what I was talking about if I wanted to be able to present a beer that was plausibly what the Vikings would have been drinking I had to start from the ground up using entirely Viking appropriate equipment so I built everything from scratch using you know Viking hand tools and I shared all of the information and all of my sources and every single thing I did and it's been an ongoing experiment where I gradually try different techniques each time I brew it to see which ones most closely resemble the archaeological finds and I've had people who are from like really serious really legit Viking reenactment groups contact me and be like dude that's insane we're not making anything that's like half that effort and I've had other people contact me and be like yeah you know I, I really never thought of people in the SCA as doing something like that but now I see that they're you know there's people that are really focused in on that research there so it's it's been it's been an interesting journey that's something I've always wanted to do you know because I happen to like to cook and I know there's a lot of stuff on the internet out about there you got to be careful because some of it's you know just complete bs that somebody made up if I were to do something like uh, cooking like a viking and eating like a viking I thought I think that'd be really fun oh it's a lot of fun the the stuff I've done has been really nice you know and it's food that's simple but it tastes really good you know it's relatively easy to make and I try to find a good mix of what things from the Scandinavian folk tradition are, you know, plausibly related to the Viking Age and what things we can say like, yeah, the Vikings probably weren't doing this. This is, you know, this is post-Viking stuff that has come in to be part of the Scandinavian countries. And, you know, even trying to be as strict as that with it, it, it's a lot of fun, you know. You can't go wrong with, like, smoked fish and just, like, hearty bean and garlic soup and roasted you know goat you can't go yeah no that's that's great and i'm that's definitely something i'm gonna have to try sometime but you know there's been such an increase in popularity of the vikings lately and it seems like there's such this community of viking lovers if you will it seems like a lot of people try to live like a viking and you know a lot of people essentially live viking lives but what do you think is the cause of this this wave of popularity in viking culture is it solely the tv show well i i think the tv show has definitely been part of it but it it's sort of always been there. There's always going to be people who are, for one reason or another, dissatisfied with modern life. I can totally understand that. You know, I, I have a new baby at home right now, but I'm still working days where I'm out of the house for 10 hours a day. And I get home and it's like, you know, do I hang out with the baby that I love and adore or do I get chores done, you know, and, and make sure they don't pile up? And it, it's hard to be in the modern world in that way where you don't have what is perceived to be the freedoms of ages past and I think that's where a lot of people get involved in in their real passions for you know any particular part of history and things like the Vikings TV show the Last Kingdom TV show and the books that those came from those have definitely been something 
that has, has really got people's imagination. I think another part of it is, honestly, people are starting to get more interested in medieval-style combat. And, you know, like, if you remember in the 80s, it was all about karate and kung fu. You know, everyone wanted to be involved in karate or kung fu and, you know, the philosophy that went with that and ways to be able to defend yourself and then, you know, feel like a manly man, but also be like, you know, I have this code of honor and here's where it comes from. And that has sort of evolved over time. And now it's people going, hey, you know, we can do basically like MMA fighting, except that we're doing it in armor and with swords. And so there's a lot of interest coming from that. And the, the type of people that tend to get into that sort of thing are people that are searching for something, people that are, you know, not entirely satisfied with modern life for whatever reason. Often people that have grown up reading fantasy novels and seeing this idea of, you know, a chivalric code or the hero cycle or something like that, that takes them out of themselves and makes them feel like there's a way to have a purpose. But this stuff is, you know, it's been going on for centuries, you know, in the Victorian era, they were having balls where they dressed up as Greeks and Romans. And, you know, in the 60s, it was all about, you know, we want to wear velour gowns and pretend that we are Elizabethan princesses. It's always been the it's just that the Vikings are the thing that have kind of come to the fore right now and I think there are a lot of people that are finding it and they are finding out like yeah the Vikings were not just these mindless barbarians they came from a place that had this very specific culture and history and it's something worth researching and being interested and I think that's an excellent point is you know a lot of people aren't satisfied with modern culture which is really understandable yeah and I, I think it's so easy to look back on that stuff and think about you know how much better it would have been and then sort of think about like you know, even now, like Mad Men, the TV show was hugely popular and you had so many people being like, why can't we go back to that? Why can't I dress like that? Why can't art be like that? Why can't my house decorate like that? You know, and every generation is going to find things from the generation before that they are fascinated by and wish things were more like now. And I just kind of have the philosophy of so embrace those things, find those things that you like and make them part of your modern life. You know, like I definitely find myself going by sort of Viking codes of honour and thinking about the way things were done then that makes sense to me. But I also know, you know, if I get into a fight with my neighbour, it's not going to be remotely acceptable if I take a knife to him. And you know, you mentioned earlier your daughter, and I think it's really important too that young people are really educated at least a little bit when it comes to the past generation. So do you find yourself, as she she grows up, you'll really stress the importance of appreciating history? Oh yeah, I mean... For one thing, she's already had her first Viking. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. That was adorable. So, uh, and I was like, you know what? And she just had these professional photos taken at her daycare. And I looked at them and I was like, those are terrible pictures. Like, she's adorable and cute in them, but they were not done in the way that I would consider good, you know, know, professional photography. And I was like, well, you know, my wife's been working on these little Viking clothes for her. We have friends who we've inherited the clothes that their kids wore when they were that size. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go and do a photo shoot in the backyard. But she's also, and in some ways I feel kind of sorry for her about this she's going to be getting history lessons at home and the day I decided that was the day that one of my friends told me oh yeah we were you know we were taught in history class that the second world war began when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and I was like no 
no, this this is not going to be my daughter. She's not going to misunderstand history and, and, and listen to teachers who don't know what they're talking about. And I made a point of like, okay, well, she's going to be getting the same thing I did. We're going to be reading Nigel Tranter books. She's going to be coming to the reenactment events with me. And, you know, she'll probably hit 15 and decide this is embarrassing and I don't want to go with my dad and do his nerdy hobby. But hopefully she'll have learned a lot of things from it. And if I'm lucky, she'll be like a lot of my friends' kids where she decides that she wants to stay involved and she wants to you know keep doing this yeah, this awesome that's, thing that's great i think that's awesome unfortunately we're running out of time here but if i may just ask you one last question you know we talked mm-hmm. about your your show norse by northwest for those of you listening i know a lot of you listening probably already listened to it but for those of you who are unfamiliar with it i really highly suggest you go check out my guest angus's podcast norse by northwest what do you see you've been at this show for about a year or two now but what do you see as being the future of your show? Is there any there is there any dreams you have for your show? You know, we talked about Viking culture in modern society and just the the community of, you know, fellow Viking reenactors and Viking amateur historians, but what do you see as the future of your podcast? What are your dreams for it? You know, honestly, what I would really love to see is getting to a point where I'm interspersing episodes where I'm giving kind of like a, a brief primer on the subject and explaining, you know, here's how the Vikings got to this point and here's how they dealt with this thing and start going into, you know, maybe every other episode or every third episode, a little bit more of the scholarly detail on that and going over, you know, this archaeologist had this theory, but when we compare it to other things, it looks more like this archaeologist theory. And, you know, how do we split those up and how do we make a decision on which one we find to be correct? Because I I really, I love having those kind of conversations where you have a few people that really know what they're talking about and you can have a discussion that elucidates things for you that you might not otherwise have thought about and I actually I got to have one of those my my most recent episode I was interviewing a friend of mine who he's basically my brother I've known him for a long long time and we are basically adopted brothers to each other and he does a lot of the same things I do he does the Viking reenactment he does the archaeological experimentation and he writes the the Viking era more Viking style poetry and we were talking about it on the episode and he mentioned that one reason and he thought that there might be for the specific rhyme schemes and, and rules that they used was because in a world that is not necessarily literate in a world where these things are passed down you know through memory through word of mouth using these particular rhyme schemes and rules it leaves your mouth in the position when you finish the last line to begin the next line and that had never occurred to me before and we've talked about this stuff before and we've both spent you know years practicing this stuff and studying it and learning about it but this one thing had never occurred to me and I thought about it and I was like yeah thinking about some of the things I've written and some of the things I've read absolutely when I finish one line my mouth is ready for the next line and that makes memorizing it a lot easier so I love having those kind of discussions with other people and I would love to be able to get the podcast to that point where I have listeners who've learned a lot and feel like they're ready for an episode that goes a little bit more into the you know the scholarly yeah that's that's awesome that's great yeah I've been a fan of your show as I said before and I'll continue to listen to every episode like I have been. But thanks so much for joining me, Angus. It's really been a treat to have you on and I've really enjoyed this conversation. It was awesome to have you and hopefully oh, I can I'd get love you that, on my man. show Yeah, some just uh, shoot me an email or whatever. Um, if Will do. If you enjoyed this episode of The History of Vikings, do me a favor and write me a review. I'd love to hear any feedback or criticism you have for me. Join us next week right here on The History of Vikings. <laughs>